Welcome and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Now let's join Pastor Ben Teefy for his message. For you and I haven't met, Ben Teefy is my name. It's my joy to be the lead pastor here and uh, I've been away for a lot of weeks so uh, it's really, really good to be back and some of you haven't got to see yet so Hi. We are in for a treat over the next couple of weeks. Who said that? Sounded like Sandra Cooper. It was Sandra Cooper, wasn't it? I knew it. Okay, we're going to move on. Don't don't eavesdrop on mine and Sandra's chats, everybody. Listen, that video that you watch, you can get a whole bunch of them uh, off the Bible Project, which you can Google, and they have one of them on nearly every book of the Bible. And if you sort of want to see the way the Bible works and the way it fits together, you should definitely get on Google, your friend Dr. Google. It's more fun than just checking whether you're pregnant. It's actually also got good information on there as well. So uh, you should get on there. Now, what you can do, if you would like this graphic that you see up on the screen, which is a merger of the entire entire video that you just watched, then uh, you can email ben at desertlifechurch.org, that's me, and I will email you back the PDF of this, and that way you can do colouring in at home and make placemats for your, you know, tables, whatever you want to do. Maybe you just want to have the pictures and help you trace the bigger picture frame of thought that runs through the book of Colossians. I'm so excited about this next series because how many people know God's word changes our lives? That's about a third of us in the room. I would allow for 20% of us not to be Jesus followers in a room like this, especially because I know you. Um, but, but I would suggest that probably more of us believe that God's word is powerful than said that. So how many people know God's word's powerful? Yeah. Amen. It really is. God's word changes our lives. In Isaiah 55, God says this through the prophet Isaiah. Just like the rain comes down from heaven and waters the earth, and then it goes back up and it gives birth to trees and flowers, growing and everything is regenerated so my word is like that and my word will not become void from me my word will come out of my mouth and it will accomplish everything I want it to do that is why as God's people we study God's word together and when we open the book of Colossians we find this is a letter not addressed to each of us individually but it is a letter addressed to us as a Christian community not only that it is a letter that says something to the world around us who could say amen and people know our world needs God's word, huh? Yeah. How many people know you need God's word? How many people know you need the grace of God? Yeah. Our world needs the grace of God. Alice Springs needs the grace of God, huh? Yeah. Hey, listen, thanks for signing up after today's service to Let's Help Day. I know that you will, and uh, I, I really do think as a church where God's taken us. If you're a guest, this is a bit of family talk, so there's no pressure for you. But if you're part of the family... Draw your own conclusions. We want to just be, be more than a community full of rhetoric. Isn't that true? And we can't do everything and solve every problem in Alice Springs, but step by step, we can do something about something. Who could say amen to that? And we know we want to be a vehicle of salt and light in our world. Is that true? It's what Jesus has called us to be. And so one of the things we're going to do is we're going to spend the next eight weeks studying the book of Colossians, which speaks to us as a community, and it shapes us as a community. It will shape you as an individual. Sure, go home and read it. But what's really important is that we allow it to shape us together. Because in the New Testament, identity is always corporate, group, in community, not me off solo, on my own, battling it out. Who can say amen to that? You have tried battling it out on your own, haven't you? The smart one said no. Which no one said that, by the way. Um, but you're smart in other ways, like turning up here today for argument's sake. Um, but, but, you know, battling it on your own is difficult. You know, when God made the whole world, he said everything was good. And then he looked and he saw Adam on his own. And that was the first time you hear God say, that's not good. 
It's not good for a man to be alone. And so God has placed us in family and placed us in community. And the book of Colossians speaks to us and to our world. So we're just going to spend some time as a community of God basking in the gospel, basking in the things it says to us, basking in the names it calls us. You know God's a name caller, right? Remember Abram? Exalted father. An old man, nearly living, having lived a century. Married to an old lady who nearly had lived a century. And uh, God says to Abram, who was called exalted father, this childless couple, imagine having being called exalted father, but you don't even have any kids at all. In the ancient world, one of the biggest acts of shame would have been to be a childless family. Our world sees it differently. We have compassion on people like that. And we know that there's other ways to build family too. But in the ancient world, it was an ultimate source of shame. And imagine Abram walking down the street. There he goes, exalted father. Shame, embarrassment. It's a good picture of us, the way we are in life sometimes too, walking in our own fallen identity. And then God intervenes in Abram's life and he says, you're not going to be called Abram, exalted father, that name anymore. You're going to be called Abraham. You're going to be called Abraham. And that means father of many nations. And of course, Abraham did what you would do, which is, well, God, I'm really old. And, you know, Sarah, it's been a long time since she was interested in, you know. And then God says, I'm going to do something in your life. And of course, God speaks a name over his life and calls him Abraham, father of many nations. And then the same God that speaks the word comes by the wonderful, grace-filled, life-filled presence of his spirit and changes Abraham into the very image of the name that he called him. Don't you think that's amazing about God? God's a name caller. And all the way through the book of Colossians, Paul will expound on this aspect of the nature of God, the great name caller, that calls those who respond by the spirit and respond in grace and respond in faith to the gospel message, we get called new names because of the gospel. We get given new status because of the gospel. We get given a new identity because of the gospel. You're not looking very excited about that. It's like, I just want you to know at this point in the 8.30 service, people were a bit more excited about it than you are. You're looking at me like a goldfish at a new bowl. We get given a whole new status in the gospel. Aren't you grateful for it? Listen, if you don't know Jesus here, just indulge us for a second. But who's grateful for the gospel of Christ? Who is grateful that God called you from death into life? Who is grateful that you were once far from God, but now through the blood of Jesus, we could be made near to God, which was so much more than a tragic martyrdom or a murder. It was both of those things, but it was also miraculous, according to the prophets where Christ absorbed into himself all sin, all death, all brokenness. As we saw in the book of Colossians, overcame every power, every principality, and brought us near to God. Who who just thinks that's a little bit exciting? Who who would be willing to give God a hand of praise in the house if it was good enough for the people of Israel in the book of Leviticus to give a clap offering? Maybe it's good enough for God's people today in 2018 where we clap and cheer for all sorts of stuff. It's all right, just breathe. Turn the person next to say, breathe. Okay, good, we're going to move on. The book of Colossians is important to us because it has a personal focus for us. It ultimately has a global focus. It ultimately has a social focus. It ultimately has a society-transforming focus. But it starts with this set of questions for you and I. Here's the first one. What's true for you? What's true about you? What is true in your life? What's truth? Here's the next one. How, how do you see life? What message is at the core of who you are? 
Well, I'm a pastor, and, and so I spend my life trying to help people reconcile the message that God would place at the core of their life called the gospel, that they are a child of God, that they are holy, that they are made righteous, that they can be salt, that they can be light, that they have a future, that they have a hope, that they have a new name, that they have a new family, that they are a child of God. But reconciling those things with this other stuff. See, when by the time you've lived human life for a little while, this is true, isn't it? Once you've lived as a human for a little bit, there are other messages at the core of your life. Hey, sometimes you haven't been called the child of God. You've been called the worst child ever. Sometimes you haven't been called holy. You've been called terrible things. You know, it's so true that you can take a child and the first time you tell a a normal, untraumatized, healthy child, the first time you take that child and say, you're dumb, they'll say, I am not. But you know, if you tell that child that they're dumb enough, eventually they won't fight you on that. And then eventually when you stop saying it to them, they will continue saying it to themselves. Isn't that true? In marketing, they understand this deep truth that if you tell someone something often enough, even though they know it's not true, eventually they will start to believe it. They couple that idea with creating needs. Creating need. This is how you sell stuff in our society, okay? And our society works on selling stuff. This is how it works. I've got something you probably don't want and you probably don't think you need. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you feel hopeless and empty that you don't have this thing that you probably don't want. When you say, I don't want it, I'm going to tell you that you're a bit of a loser because everybody wants this thing. And I'm going to create, this is called manufactured demand in marketing parlance. How many marketing people out there? We're not against you. We just want you to know Jesus. So, so um, manufactured demand. I'm going to create a need by making you feel empty and void. And then I'm going to meet that need by offering you the tasty cheese in the trap called consumerism. Or called idolatry. Or called addiction. Or called materialism. Or called approval junkie. Or called beaner junkie. And what I'm going to do is make you feel empty so that you cause your whole life journey to be one of seeking ways to fill that emptiness. Have you heard this proverb? The full soul loathes even honeycomb. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. That's my testimony right there. That's the testimony of a drug user, of an alcoholic, of a depression sufferer, of someone bouncing from relationship to relationship, community, community, job to job, bank, dollar to bank, dollar. Why? Why did I do all these terrible things that now I'm embarrassed and ashamed about? Because I was a hungry soul. And every bit of thing I looked at, I just thought that would be sweet. I thought it would fill the void. How many of us have felt the pain of being away from God and being there and living the journey, just trying to fill your empty soul, trying to heal your broken heart, trying to feel a sense of connectedness when you're alienated? Am I alone? But to the full soul, even... Honeycomb is loathsome. What that means is you sit back when you've got a full soul and you say, you know what? Like you do on Christmas Day. You know Christmas Day? By the time somebody brings out the dessert, what do you do? Oh, I can't fit another in, right? Because you're... Don't worry, January's coming. Then you'll make your New Year's resolution. You'll go get that gym membership that you never use. And then you will, you know, like for January, all of January, you'll diet, you'll work out, you'll be careful what you're eating. Um, you'll Basically, that's called being very, very unhappy. 
And then you'll get sick of living in pain and starving and being very, very unhappy. And February will come and you will no longer diet, no longer use your gym membership anymore. And you'll go back to just full cream milk and whale lard salted on toast. (laughs) Who likes that? Don't try it. Um, The full soul, every bit of thing is sweet. But... Sorry, the, the hungry soul, every bit of thing is sweet, but the full soul loads even honeycomb. When you are full, you don't need anything else. And the book of Colossians actually has a wordplay throughout the book on the word fullness. In the Greek language that the original document was written, is this word pleroma, pleroma. You should play around with the Greek language when you read the New Testament. And pleroma means this completion, fullness, wholeness. You have made it. You have arrived. You can't fit another thing in. And all through the town of Colossae, the believers were promised, as you saw in the video, by the, by the polytheistic mysticism or by the Judaizers and their laws and their... Hey, you guys really laughed when the um, pocket knife thing came out on that video too, by the way. <laughs> Things people think about in church. Um, and, and they're promising, do this and you'll have a full life. Do this and your needs will be met. Do this and you won't be empty anymore. And Paul writes predominantly to the Colossians to say, guys... There's a lot of misinformation out there about what constitutes emptiness and about what constitutes fullness. And you better be careful. The book of Colossians takes us on a journey. Let's do a... This is a photo I took when I was in Darjeeling in the Himalayas. That's the Kanjanjunga mountain range in the Himalayas. Isn't that unbelievable? I was sitting there on my friend Ronald's roof of his house having a cup of tea that he brought me sitting there looking at that. And like looking at that mountain, sometimes what we need to do, which is what the video helped us do, is just take a step back and look at some of the mountain peaks in the book of Colossians. And I want to take you through just a couple of verses that constitute mountain peaks in the book of Colossians. Here's the first one. For in Christ, all the fullness of God lives in bodily form. And listen to this bit. Why is that important? Why do you have to know that Jesus is God? Because in Christ, you have been brought to fullness as well. And he is the head over every power and authority. Here's the thing about the Christian life. You're surrounded with stories. Maybe stories are inside you. Some of it's external pressure. For some of us, it's our biography and our our state and, and our family and our community. And it's internal pressure telling us we're not full, making us feel empty. And the gospel comes to us and says, you know, in Jesus, you actually can be full. Now, the next question, well, if I'm a Christian and I don't feel full, what's wrong with me? And Paul will take us by the hand and lead us through the book of Colossians and say, here's why sometimes you do feel empty. And he'll talk to us about it. And he'll help us learn about living full in Christ. Here's another great verse. For he has rescued us. Everybody say rescued. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. That phrase, dominion of darkness, it's brilliant. I'm not going to unpack it now. We'll save it for later in the series. And brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Here's another mountain peak in the book of Colossians. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Hollow means on the outside it looks fine, but if you crunch it, it just falls apart. There's nothing inside. It's, it's empty. It's like all cowbell and no bass. You know what I'm saying? How many people out there love the only two types of music, country and western? God, Ro, you don't, you, okay, we're going to move on. Hollow, hollow. And deceptive, it doesn't actually do what it says it does. It's leading you astray. It's serpent work. It's taking you somewhere. The 
phone I'm using is a borrowed one, and it's got a text message popping up from Ms. Somerville. <laughs> this is why Colossians is for you, and this is why Colossians is for the world around us. Do you want to be complete? Do you hunger for wholeness, hunger for fullness? Colossians takes us by the hand and leads us to a wonderful, gracious journey of fullness. Do you ever feel less than complete? Even if you're a Christian, you can Do you ever feel emptiness, that emptiness we talked about for various reasons? Well, if you do, the good thing is you don't have to learn to just suffer it out and paint on your best lippy and wear your best slacks to church and pretend everything's okay. Actually, there are answers for us, not only in the gospel, there are answers for us in the book of Colossians. And we'll spend some time looking at this. Do you ever feel like something's missing from your life? The book of Colossians will help you find that missing thing. Do you ever wonder, what if this is as good as it gets? And you shake your head in disappointment. Have you seen the Jack Nicholson movie? What if this is as good as it gets? Maybe you wonder this. What if this isn't as good as it gets and you're hungering for more? The book of Colossians is for you. Ever feel that you're surrounded on all sides by pressure to conform? What type of conform? Oh, man, in our world, there's just everything, isn't there? You've got to vote the right way. You can be a Christian or you can't be a Christian. You've got to make sure that, you know, you, you, you say and do the right things, wear the, wear the right clothes. You've got the right brand names, the right bank balance. You've got to have the right field of study. Can't have an arts degree anymore. People look down on you for that for some reason. You know, there's just all a range of pressure to conform in our world, isn't there? Do you ever wonder if you're missing out on something? The book of Colossians takes you by the hand and and says some things you are missing out on, but they're worth missing. It's called dodging a bullet. And there's other things you might be missing out on them that you should be having. And the book of Colossians coaches us in how is it we get what we're having. Colossians speaks to us because the Colossian community was surrounded by powerful forces on all sides, internal forces and external forces, sending them the message, you're not complete, you're not full, you haven't arrived, you're missing something. And then the pressure and temptation was to give in to these surrounding forces and pressures to find completion in the things the world around them offered. Do you ever feel that pressure? You do because it's universal to being a Christian in this world. Their own struggle as individuals and as a church itself could create its own pressure. Sometimes the pressure is that you put on yourself, I'm just not a good enough Christian and I'm not good enough at following God. The book of Colossians has answers for you too. Colossians is for you if you seek change in any area of life, if you want true transformation, which changes your life, instead of behavior modification, which just keeps you like a little poodle in a show, jumping through hoops, hoping that you get a little treat from God. Colossians is for you... Because what you believe about life determines how you feel and how you behave. And this is where all of our adjustments are needed. At the invisible areas of our life first, the invisible areas of our life affect the visible areas of our life. And so it's what's going on inside us that often needs adjusting. And Colossians addresses this with some key words. You'll see words like mind, words like heart, words like know, understand, other words, make known. This is all about the revelation, the illumination, the inner transformations that happen that change who you are, not just keep you the same following different set of rules. You do realize that about the gospel, right? It's not just about following different rules. It's about being a different type of follower, being transformed. 
Colossians is for you if you seek an understanding of how the gospel message and the Christian faith apply powerfully in everyday life. Some people live constantly without an awareness of the powerful application of the Christian faith. They live without the power of the Christian faith in their everyday life. You don't have to live like that. You can see how it powerfully applies. Maybe you want to know the relevance of Jesus to your own life and situation or to the world around you. Colossians is for you if that is you. Maybe you want to know the power of great gospel words. Listen, this is the thing about all gospel words. They're no good in your lexicon. They need to be in your life. You don't study theology. You do study it, but this is, you don't study theology to study theology. You study theology to do theology, to live theology. Every great gospel word, holy, sanctification, grace, faith, peace, peace, redemption, forgiveness, all of those things are useless in a book, but very important in your heart. Very important. And as we go through Colossians, we will have these written into our hearts through the presence of God as we study his word together. Colossians for you, if you ever wonder how Jesus interacts with philosophy and culture, maybe you're a thoughtful type. Maybe you want to understand the way the gospel transforms society. Who knows that it does? Who knows every great social movement in Western culture has been gospel birthed in a lot of ways. It's amazing. The gospel transforms society. Maybe you're passionate about worldviews, about culture, about ideas, about thought, about philosophy, about psychology. Maybe you're passionate about politics. Well, the gospel words in Colossae. Colossae's philosophy was strong and all these words that you can see up there, they won't mean much to you right now, necessarily doesn't matter. There's a list of cultural buzzwords from Colossae that the gospel transformed every one of those words and then transformed that community and that church. Maybe you're passionate about getting a greater understanding of how people can grow and change. Maybe you want to change. Maybe you just want to be a people helper and you want to help other people change. Well, Colossians is for you. Maybe you're interested in psychology or social science. Maybe you want to know how Christian thought interacts with these type of disciplines. Maybe you want to discuss the relevance of the Christian faith to these particular fields. Maybe you're interested in counselling or helping others. Well, have a look here on this list. You don't need to know them all. But in orange are all the psychology and social science buzzwords that you'll find very common now. And you know, the book of Colossians interacts with every single one of those concepts by showing us the way Jesus fulfills in a greater way to bring a flourishing life to people in situations or, or, or topics like that and, and understanding things like that that really our world is falling all over itself to find answers for. And here we today in 2018 have access to a book that was written in the first century that's still on the cutting edge of thought, interacts with the deepest needs of our society. You know, the mind features a lot throughout Colossians. The idea of knowledge, of not just, not just knowing a fact, but actually an experiential knowledge, what is now called lived experience. The gospel comes into our lived experience. The presence of Christ comes into our lived experience. Who could say amen? amen? Wake up, you're all looking at me. Beliefs, which are the key to cognitive sciences, are, are, are at core. Living a balanced life, we all want to do that. Fullness and completion, wholeness, alienation, isolation, human rules, vulnerability, if you've read Brene Brown's stuff, community and connection, peace of mind, peace in your mind, authentic living and intrinsic versus extrinsic values. Finally, Colossians touches on all of these things. And I'm going to give you a shortcut. The shortcut is this. The key to understanding what Paul is doing in the book of Colossians is found in this one word called appropriation. Let's all say it together. Appropriation. Say it appropriately. Appropriation. Say it inappropriately. 
Okay, just testing. Appropriation is a Latin word, comes from a Latin word, and it means this, to make something your own, to take it and use it as your own. It used to be out there, I took it, now it's mine and I'm using it as mine. That's called appropriation. You know about this word because if I come and work in your business and I steal the money of your business, you will call that misappropriation. I'm doing the wrong thing, taking your money and making it as my own. And the whole point of the book of Colossians is that we must appropriate gospel truth. We must take gospel truth and we must make it our own. We must do that as individuals. We must do that as families. We must do that as the community of God. Paul's message to the Colossians was to teach them who they are in Christ, to show them their identity, to describe for them the wonderful things that happen when the gospel collides with humans. And then to put before them the option, guys, walk, he says it this way, walk in this. Walk in this. All the way through Colossians, you might see it, it says, you know, live the way God, live up to this calling. But it's really in the Greek, it's the word walk. It's all about how you walk. Walking in everything the gospel has for you. Let's check out the first paragraph while child 134 is attended to. (laughs) Let's check out the first paragraph of Colossians chapter 1 verse 1 and 2. And for those of you who feel comfortable raising your voices as the house of God, why don't you read with me these passages this morning? Chapter 1 verses 1 to 2. Come on, read with me. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Don't you think that's just an interesting passage? Let's think about a couple of things. First of all, Paul describes himself as an apostle. That means he's sent by the will of God. He understands he has authority to speak to you, not just as a teacher, not just as a human, but to speak God's very word to you. That means the things promised through Isaiah that it would come and and be like rain in the desert, that would come and do things in your life, can happen when you bask in and appropriate the truths of the book that you can experience everything that God's word promises happens when God's word is imbibed. The second thing is this, Paul knows who he is. He knows I'm an apostle and I'm sent by God. That begs to me the question, do you know who you are? Many of us don't. And one of the things Paul does in all of his letters is he always comfortably demonstrates for us, this is who I am, and he invites us to find out who we are too. And that's what will happen to us over the next few weeks. We'll discover and identify and bask in and meditate together on our identity and who we really are. And of course he knows who he's with. He says, I'm with Timothy, my brother. Actually in the Greek it says Timothy, the brother. Timothy was a big deal. He was a big deal. Timothy. It's not just Paul, some lone ranger, Paul, some crackpot. Paul is writing from apostolic community. Paul is writing from the community of faith to the community of faith. What does that tell you? That tells you Christianity is not a solo sport, friends. Christianity is a team sport. Paul and Timothy. Paul and Silas. Paul and Peter. Paul and Luke. Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Silas and Barnabas and Luke and Mark. Who's your with? Are you part of the community faith processing God's word together? Are you with others studying God's word together, with others applying God's word together? As you'll see constantly throughout Colossians, if you're doing it on your own, something's really missing. Later on, we'll get to it in a couple of weeks. Paul makes an astounding comment in one of the chapters where he says, if you do life as community together, you will come to a greater revelation of the gospel. Think about that. 
They're already Christian. They're already following Jesus. And he says, but if you do it together, you will have even greater understanding. Isn't that amazing? There's some things in the Christian faith that can only be revealed by doing community life with others. And if you're doing it on your own, my friend, we have compassion for you. Don't be lonely. Don't be cut off. Don't be isolated. Look, how many introverts are in the room? Lift a pinky. It's okay to be an introvert, but even introverts need people. They just don't need them all the time. How many extroverts are in the room? Jump on your chair and say, hallelujah. (laughs) Even if you're an extrovert, you don't just need people to give you attention and to have a few laughs. You need life-giving community. And uh, we will be sitting in that together. Paul says something else. Listen to this next thought. He says this to God's holy people in Colossae. Here's an example of God being a name caller. Who is a Christian? Who is someone that the gospel and the grace of God has worked in and worked on and turned them around to give their life to Christ? They are now God's holy people. It's such a fascinating phrase. God's holy people, and they're located in a place, in this case it's Colossae, God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Ever read that passage and thought, that's funny that Paul is trying to train you and I to live in two places at once. Ever thought about that? Here's what it looks like in the Greek. I've written it in English, but this is the way the Greek is structured. In parenthesis, this is what it says literally. To thee, in Colossae, God's holy people, the faithful brothers and sisters, in Christ. See this, these two phrases, in Colossae and in Christ. They kind of function like bookends do on your bookshelf. You got a bookshelf? How many people are willing to talk back to Pastor Ben today? um, Leave him on his own. He's going to take his bat and his ball and go home. If you've got a bookshelf, then what you do is you you put a bookend here and a bookend here. And this thing and this thing, they hold everything else up and hold everything else together, don't they? And in this opening passage, Paul sets up an idea for you and for the Colossians by extension to us to apply. In this, you have to be prepared as a Christian to understand something about yourself. And we as a church have to understand something about ourselves. We live in two places at once. And Paul describes it this way. You live in Colossae. And you live in Christ. Did you know you live in two places at once? And that's being a Christian is about learning to reconcile both of these things together, not choosing between. Some, some people, they will never choose Christ. They'll just live their whole earthly life, a secular earthly life, without reference to Christ. Some people, they will think, well, if I want to live in Christ and if I want to be Christian, if I want to follow Jesus, I have to forget about Colossae. I have to get away from that big bag world and lock myself in a room, in a room maybe put on my Darlene CD or something like that and, and, and tune all that out and just only focus on Jesus. Ever met people who are so heavenly minded, they're just no earthly good? Well, Paul is calling you and I to learn, and we'll study this the whole way through the book of Colossians, to learn to live in two places at once. Ever been to one of those things they have outside Alice Springs called a mega mall, a mega shopping mall, and ever got lost, needed the the elevators or mire or the bathrooms or something. And so you go and you find a map that is on the wall, and the first thing you need to know when you see the map on the wall is it tells you what? What does it tell you? You are here. And if you know where you are, then you also know what do I have to do to get where I need to go. How many people have found that helpful in the past? 
So Paul starts the letter to the Colossians by saying to them, you are here. This is the description of the Christian life. You are fully incorporated into Jesus if the grace of the gospel has worked on you and you have found grace in God to place your trust in Jesus Christ and join together with him in covenant loyalty. Not as your own Lord, not with Caesar or anyone else as your Lord, but with Jesus as your King. And God has graciously worked in us to help us say yes to that, to help us no matter where we were going to, no matter where we were coming from, to, to, to draw a line in the sand of our life and turn around and say, Jesus, I'm now becoming a follower of yours. And Paul, you'll see it, we'll, we'll look at it all the way through Colossians. Paul has an idea and here's his idea. When you did that, if you've done that, that was never your idea. That was God's idea. God worked in you a wonderful work of grace, not because you're smart, not because you're wise, but because God is full of grace and is utterly amazing. And what God has done is he has, in the preaching of the word, in the prayer of the saints, in the witness of the gospel, in the presence of his people, something has happened and you have found the wherewithal internal to believe and trust in Jesus and turn to him and follow him in the grace of God. That's called repentance and faith, by the way. In Jesus' words, when that happened to you, you became a new creation. You became born again. A brand new type of human was born. A Jesus person. And when you say yes, what happens is something happens to you. You in that moment are fully incorporated into Jesus. You're not your old self, my friend. You're a new self. You're still you, but you know what? You're youer than you've ever been before. Because you now have God's planned identity breathed into your life. You're joined to Christ. It's an amazing thing, this thought of being joined to Christ. It means you're joined to Jesus. You didn't join Jesus. You were joined to Jesus. Remember when you joined the gym and, and it lost its shine and you stopped going? That's not what this gospel stuff is like because you, you didn't start it and if you didn't start it, then you don't have to worry about finishing it. God will finish it. That's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He who, what? Began a good work in you. What's he going to do? He will finish it. He will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, he started it. The explanation for what makes a Christian is God starts it. God starts it in your life. You are joined to Christ. Here's the second thing that happens when you are a yes to the gospel person. Everything that's true of Jesus is now true of you. I want you to think about that. This is the identity shaping that Paul will ask the Colossians, man, your life could be so different. You could change the world. You could be full and you could live full. And the key to living full is appropriating and understanding and walking in the idea that when I've said yes to the gospel and I've God in my life, he's not just part of my life. He is in my life. I am in him. And everything that's true of Jesus is true of me if I'll just walk into it. Who would have the audacity to make that claim about themselves? Maybe just a few of us in this room. And yet God's word comes and stands before us and says, why you need to study God's word and why you need to be a worshiper and a prayer and why you need to be part of the community of faith is because together we need to learn to walk in the things the book of Colossians says to us. Imagine living a life where you knew that everything that's true of Jesus is true of you. 
And here's the third thing. You're now part of the kingdom of God, which means you're now part of the people of God, part of a new family. You're a brother. You're a sister. You're not alone. You're not alienated. You're not isolated. Now you are part of what God is doing. Who could just say, that's amazing. That's amazing, isn't it? That's what happens to us in the gospel. You're in Christ. You've changed locations. You've got a new address. You're not your old self. I used to be Ben Teefee, drug addict, depression sufferer. Ben Teefee, the guy, the psychiatrist and the psychologist and the pediatricians and the doctors and the counsellors and the teachers, all of them said, we can't help that guy and nothing can help him. But when I got incorporated into Christ, I changed address. So I'm not Ben the drug addict anymore. I'm not Ben the alcoholic anymore. I'm not Ben the dysfunctional person anymore. I'm not Ben the introvert anymore. I'm not Ben the sad sack anymore. I am a child of God. I am Ben, the holy, faithful brother. I am a child of the living God. And you know what? You are too. If you're a yes to the gospel person, then what happens is you get a new address, a new name, a new identity. Who's glad, who's thankful for Jesus that we can be incorporated into Christ in Jesus' name. But he doesn't just say you're in Christ now. He says, you're the in Colossae in Christ people. So, so, so you're also in Colossae. To the Colossians, that means that, that means that the gospel locates them strategically in the town that they live in, in the community that they are part of and with the mission that they are on. They're not hiding away from Colossae. They're engaging with Colossae. They're not running away from the streets. They're walking down the streets in the grace of God. They're not scared of what's happening in the atmosphere of Colossae. They're walking saying, you know what's happening in the atmosphere? atmosphere of Colossae? We are. That's what's happening in the atmosphere of Colossae. You know what's happening? When I walk somewhere in Colossae, God's grace goes with me. How do you know God's grace goes with you? Because God's grace is in me. God's grace is to me. And according to the Apostle Paul, God's grace is with me. He starts the Colossian letter by saying, grace, grace to you, grace to you. Unmerited favor, undeserved kindness. In a Hebrew worldview, it's more than just the idea of, 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 of wages without the work and a free gift, although it's all those things. In the Hebrew world, the word grace means this, to stoop to aid, to stoop down to assist. It's an amazing word. Paul starts, these in Christ people, these in Colossae people, he starts, here's his first movement, here's his first word, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's help, all of God's unmerited favor, all of God's undeserved kindness, it's for you. And peace, shalom, flourishing. All of the Hebrew prophets describe shalom in amazing ways, like a return to the Garden of Eden. And Paul says, in Christ, that's what's available to you. And because it's available to you in Christ... It's now available to you in Colossae. Isn't that an amazing thing? There's no such thing as a place where God doesn't want his light to shine. Who could say amen to that? There's no community too far from God. There's no social issue that's too broken. There are no people that don't fit when it comes to this Jesus stuff. Who could say amen to that? You could even be here in this room today and you could be like, man, this weird God stuff. I feel like someone with two left feet at a dance contest. And I'll tell you something. That's okay. You're in the right place today. You're in the right place sitting under the gospel. You're in the right place hearing about the grace of God because it's not just to us. It's to you, my friend. This whole impetus to change, impetus to turn, impetus to trust, that's, that's an invitation for every man, woman and child on planet Earth. 
We hope you have been encouraged by this message. For more information, check out our website at desertlifechurch.org.